Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, did you know that no matter how hard you try, you cannot put socks on a bear? Why is that? You You can make socks that are extra big you can make it make them socks that like are are made for bare feet but you can't get them on because no matter what they always have bare feet (laughs) that got me i don't know why (laughs) i I love a homonym i always have (laughs) oh that got me oh that's a good one you john you don't have to always have bare feet you can walk around the house in what we like to call awesome socks and you can go sign up now we're finally launched at awesomesocks.club. Awesomesocks.club. I'm wearing some awesome socks right now, Hank, and they are comfortable. Me too. And 100% of the profits, not a portion, not some, 100% of the profits go to supporting stronger healthcare systems in impoverished communities. It's an incredible thing that Hank has built here. And you get great socks. You get, see, the whole idea is that you're going to have to buy socks. Like everyone knows this. You will have to buy socks. Yeah. And this way, you don't have to think about it that much. You get really good socks. Each one is designed by a different independent artist. And also all the profit goes to charity, which I don't know if you know this, John, is not the case with other socks. I believe it is literally <laughs> the only sock company uh, that uses this as their primary uh, raison yeah, d'etre, if there you are, will. There are some that give some money to charity. Yeah, which is and great. Maybe there are others that do 100%, but I don't know of them. Awesomesocks.club, 100% of the proceeds go to charity, and you get awesome socks mailed to you every month. Awesomesocks.club. It's only open for 10 days. You got to hurry. I don't want to create yeah, a false sense of urgency, but this will. is a genuine sense of urgency. I'm not <laughs> saying like pull over the car right now, stop doing the dishes, like put away the jigsaw puzzle. I am. I am saying to do all of those things. Stop the clock. <laughs> this this one time. <laughs> well, I mean, when you hear, when we come next week, when we have another podcast, yeah. the, it will be closed. It'll so be this over. is the only podcast. This is the only com- yeah. Awesomesocks.club episode of the entire year. We won't mention right. this, uh, well, unless we reopen the club at some point, but probably <laughs> it's only going to be open for the next uh, few days. So awesomesocks.club, yeah. go get the socks. I love, I, I I wouldn't be pushing these so hard because frankly, this is Hank, yeah. Hank's idea. It, 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 it makes my heart happy to see Hank succeed, but not as happy as it makes my heart to see myself <laughs> succeed. But they are, <laughs> but they are such good socks, and this is such a good project. It's incredible, really, yeah. what Hank and the folks at DFTVA have achieved with this, and all of the artists who make wonderful socks for us every month. So, thank you to everybody involved. AwesomeSocks.club. That's the end of the promo. Hank, yes, I have, I have two bits that I've been thinking about. 
Oh. But I don't know if we should use both of them or just one or neither. Well, I just, I just had the sock thing. So you're good. You could do whatever you want. All right. So first off, a listener wrote in to tell us that there is a restaurant. You'll recall, Hank, that we had a childhood fascination with a restaurant called Racks. It was sort of an Arby's-like yeah. restaurant. Uh-huh. A listener yeah. wrote in recently to inform me that there is a Racks restaurant uh-huh. in rural, wait for it, Hmm? Finland. Whoa! That was not where I thought this was going. It's in... I didn't even know there was rural Finland. In my understanding, (laughs) just from looking at a map, is that it's all rural Finland. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, so this place, I don't actually know if it's rural, um, but it's in a place called Porvu, and I'm that is the correct Finnish pronunciation. Don't you worry your sweet little head about that one. Porvu, um, Porvu, mm-hmm. Finland, P-O-R-V-O-O, Porvu, like for you in French. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready to hear me say it in French? Porvu? Oh, God, your French is so bad. No, it's like this. I didn't know. No, you got it. I mean, it doesn't. Nothing you say matters to me right now, John, because I'm at the Racks <laughs> website for the Finnish Racks. <laughs> And I wish very much I had a Finnish accent, but I don't. So I'm going to read it to you in a German accent. Great. At Rack's Pizza Buffet. <laughs> At Rack's Pizza Buffet, you feast on delicious food easily and effortlessly. Our pizza buffet includes tasty pizzas, fresh salads. This isn't German at all. No, very, it's not even. Wait, uh, what's it's, German? It's, it's, it's rather. At, give it one more at try. Rack's pizza. I need okay. a third take. <laughs> okay. I'll do it if you won't. No. At Rack's Pizza Buffet, you feast on delicious food easily and effortlessly. Our buffet includes tasty pizzas, fresh salads. Well, there's no THs. I can't do it until I get a TH. (laughs) I'm laughing both at the translation, which was clearly done by Google, and and bu- at your accent at the same time they're both gold it's not good enough it's not it's not good i'm enough. okay i'm going to do it i'm going to do it okay i don't usually do the accents around here but i'm feeling it today you know how good i am at it yeah i know i like to i like to leave it to the professionals like yourself um also when i tried to say for you in french i pronounced it pour vous despite having 3 years of high school french like the only thing <laughs> that you can hear from my high school french is that i went to high school in alabama and so i have a slight american southern accent <laughs> so that's why i say like pour vous pour vous instead of pour vous or whatever a regular american <laughs> whatever would say whatever it should be yeah but i'm certainly not saying it french i am however about to read you the opening yeah. lines of the racks.fi website this is so weird in what i think will be a magnificent i don't have a finnish accent i've never i've never met a finnish person uh but it, this is a german accent okay <clears throat> i'm excited at rock's pizza buffet you feast on delicious food easily and effortlessly our buffet includes tasty pizzas fresh salads various options for warm dishes as well as cold and hot drinks. Top off your meal with our delicious Sunday ice cream. This is very, this is French, I think. Yeah, no, it's Southern. Friends with different tastes and requirements can eat at the same table. Our selection- Friends with different tastes and requirements (laughs) can eat at the same table is the lowest level brag (laughs) I've ever heard a restaurant make. Like, if friends with different tastes and requirements are not able to eat at the same table, like, you don't have a restaurant. Our selection includes dozens of tasty options so that everyone can choose their own favorites. Say goodbye to say goodbye to Honga with your favorites from our selection. Oh my God. I mean, I'm it sure that everywhere. mine was worse than yours, but God, yours was bad. <laughs> like yours was yours was so bad that I'm I started to think at some point, like, is it problematic? Like, is it okay? <laughs> Should we cut it? Is it gonna be hurtful to people? <laughs> if, yeah, if if to anyone, then to everyone. Though it's equal, equally offensive. Oh, goodness gracious. But the racks in Finland looks really good and it's close to the water. The racks in Finland looks amazing, at least from the pictures. And I am desperate to visit. It also seems uh, to be in there, a beautiful there, part of the a, country. There seems to be a ton of them, John. 
No. Yes. There's more than They're one Rax? They're all over Finland. <gasps> There's a ton of them. No. There is. There's many Raxes in Finland? Yes. <gasps> Hold on a sec. There's like there's like there's like three just in Helsinki. No. Yeah, there's also one in Pizzanzita. I don't have to go to poor. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> and there's one in Leparvarnankug too. I don't even have to go to Porvu to enjoy a delicious Rax. No. I, no. Could, I could just fly into the capital city of Helsinki and yeah. make a tour of the city by touring its Raxes. Missoula to Helsinki. <laughs> oh, God, it looks beautiful just on the map. And actually, there's a Rax really, really close to the airport. I could if I wanted to. I don't think this is a good mm-hmm. idea, but I could just fly in to the Helsinki airport, get some Rax, get back on the airplane and then, you know, go somewhere warmer like the south of France or something. Yeah, I can go to Helsinki for the cost of, like, front row seats to a Harry Styles concert, John. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to know which <laughs> of those is... You can do a lot for that. I was yeah. going to say, I mean, you could also, like, buy a fairly nice car. <laughs> I don't know how much it is. It's a fi- it's $550 for me to get to Helsinki. There's it's a, also th- uh, three days. There's a lot of water in Finland. Like, I don't know that I understood. This is a very porous country. There's... It's water every which way you look. It's a very porous country, is yeah. what my brother just said of, I, of it. I stand by it. I stand by it. John, I have um I've checked and yeah. I can get in the pit, the watermelon pit, um in Oregon mm-hmm. five days from now. Yeah. To see Harry Styles for a mere two thousand one hundred and fifty nine dollars. I mean you could fly to Finland four times. <laughs> Hank, I'd like to tell you about the the northernmost racks on Earth. Should I go to see Harry Styles in Oregon? Yeah, absolutely. But we're focused right now on abandoning the longstanding format of this podcast where we answer listener questions and focusing entirely on how there came to be a series of racks restaurants, but only in Finland. This okay, so there is a there is a town in northern Finland, Hank. It has an airport, which is encouraging. And the town appears to be called Arcticum. Okay. And they have I'm sure, a I'm sure everyone will love your pronunciation of that. I Well, what I've tried to do is I'm just trying to be wrong in lots of different ways instead of trying to be right. That's my current strategy. <laughs> okay. Um, the northernmost racks on earth is in Arcticum. Um, now that I'm looking, I think Arcticum might just be the name of the museum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, think it on the the, list. I think that might be the Finnish word for museum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no. I don't know what this place is called, but there's a racks. The average rating of the, the northernmost racks of the world, it has 446 ratings on Google. The average rating is 3.7, which I think is pretty good, you know? Can I read you a couple of reviews? Uh, sure. Hit me, John. It's right in the middle of town. It looks like a lovely place. Yeah. So Artem writes, not delicious. Seems like the food lay here for a long time. Broken ice cream machine screwed my plans. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's better. It's better. I'm sorry, I misread. It says broken ice cream machine screwed my pants. I thought it could happen only in comedies, but nope. What? what? It screwed your pants? I mean, how broken oh, was that ice cream machine? And also, like, <laughs> were you standing on a table? Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm questioning whether it was the ice cream machine's fault at this point. I'm inclined. <laughs> I'm inclined to blame Artem for that mishap. Yeah. I've also oh. got a nice. Ian writes. Uh, this is a perfect place for families. Food is good quality, and the choice is excellent. Kids can help themselves in buffet and ice cream afterwards. Uh, let me see if I. Got I wouldn't. It. I'd be careful. I'd be careful having your kids <laughs> go on an ice cream buffet. It's got I hear it can screw some pants. <laughs> <laughs> I think the town is called Rovaniemi. Oh God, that sounds challenging. They have an Arcticum there, though. Yeah, they have an Arctic Light as well. Oh, which uh, which is the the uh, a place where you can sleep. Oh, so mm-hmm. you could. So I'll have a. A hotel room. It's hip, I guess, it's hip lodging. I, hip lodging I, with nature themed rooms. That sounds yeah. great. Let's go. 
I think most people probably go there for the Northern Lights, but we will be going oh, for the that's racks. what the Arctic Light is. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else goes up there for the Northern Lights. It's a great okay. like place. But for us, it's all about We're the coming, racks. Coming and for then the racks. I, I also love the idea of checking into the hotel after we have our first meal at racks and... Mm-hmm. We were checking in the hotel and they're like, uh, well, would you like to be woken up at three o'clock in the morning for the Northern Lights? And we'll be like, absolutely not. I'd like to be woken up when at does, 10 o'clock when in the does morning the racks open? when racks opens. <laughs> I want them to ruin my pants. <laughs> I came here to gamble at this field at the field Vegas Rovaniemi and get my pants ruined in a racks. <laughs> And I've already played Casino War, so it's time to move on. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to put, I got to put a lid on this, John. You want to answer some questions from our listeners? I do, but I have another bit. Oh, oh God. I'm Wait, sorry, can you but save the other. It? Huh? Well, you can't save it because you're not going to be here next week. I can't save it. I'm not going to be here for a whole month. Can I tell you my other okay. bit? So yeah. I was I was reading Goodreads reviews of the Anthropocene reviewed book, which I know I shouldn't do, but you know I can't. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Can't help yeah. myself. I, do, I mean, I do a lot of things on the internet I shouldn't do, like tweet. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's this wonderful uh, five star review of the Anthropocene reviewed book that I read, Sarah, and um, I read it to her, and I felt like she laughed a little too hard, so I wanted to read it to you, and I wanted to kind of see what what level of laugh you bring to it. Um, okay, uh, I think I love John Green. That's nice. I've always loved his YA novels and enjoyed the vlogs he did with his brother, Hank. Situating that in the past tense is a little bit of a bummer, but I'm good with it. I admired the way he presented calm analysis of politics and foreign affairs, among a host of other things, uh, that must have helped many young fans. But this collection just made me want to hug him. Uh. He comes across as so nice and well-meaning, and I love and respect the painfully honest way he represents his own struggles. I bet he's terribly difficult to live with. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't want to be that guy's brother, I gotta say. I also felt like you laughed a little too hard. I was thought of maybe more of a little chuckle, maybe more of a ha 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 than a like a full blown. No, it's not fun. It's not, it's, I'm not agreeing. I'm just saying that's that's quite a thing. I mean, it's it's like I don't know. It's very Sarah, presumptuous. Sarah was agreeing. <laughs> like okay. Sarah's Sarah's yes, laughter well, was of like he is terribly difficult to live with. A lot of thank upsides. Thank you for of understanding course, my but plight. There's some yeah. downsides. But so is everyone in their own ways. It's true. Nobody is terribly easy to live with. Yeah. Certainly not me. Yeah. Awesomesocks.club. Let's answer some questions from our listeners. <laughs> Have you gone yet? Have you gone and signed up? Look, I, I can guarantee you one thing. When this episode goes live, I'm going to be at the back end of the awesomesocks.club website yes. looking to yes. see... If yes. people are signing up in real time, I'm well, going to be staring at that. Right. And when you sign up, you can leave a little note and I'm going to be reading those little notes. So yep. if you want to say something to me, that's where you could now's where the time. Put it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am in the same boat. I will be doing the same thing. And I will I'm, also I'm, I'm a little I'm a little nervous. I'm very excited. Like, it's just yeah. a, it's such a it's become such a big deal. Um, it's a huge deal for being able to fund the maternal and child care work that we're trying to support. So yeah, it yeah. makes a big difference. I will also be on on the back end, but I'll mostly be trying to figure out like, did this person come from Dear Hank and John or did they come from Hank's freaking TikTok? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it will be very difficult to tell. I know, but I will try anyway because there's nothing my brain loves more than uh, jumping to conclusions based on limited information. Well, if you, if you sign up, at least leave us a little note that says it came from the from Dear Hank and John. I, I think you should just leave a note that just says racks. Yeah. Wait, I'm going to do a little bit of translation here. I want to ruin my pants. That's uh, <laughs> Haluan Pilata Hoisuni in Finnish. So that, those are the only words that you need to know when you're walking into oh. a racks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got 20 euros and an urgent need to ruin these pants. Where's your ice cream machine? <laughs> oh god. Oh. I feel like a real dummy right now, John. Where's I'm... your ice cream machine? <laughs> 
I want to go. I want to go so bad, Hank. I know that I can't commit to a bit. I know that's always been my great weakness as a person. I really want to commit to this bit. I know that we don't have three spare days to fly to Finland to go to Iraq and not see the Northern Lights, but I really want to. John, this first question, this first oh. question comes from Tim, who asks, Dear Hank and John, who decided that pen colors or what what pen colors would be professional? Yes. Yeah. What a fantastic question. Black, I get it. Black, sure. Black is it's the color of all ink. This is the newspaper color. But then blue is blue is professional, but anything else is like, no. Yeah. That's, so I actually that's silly time. I actually think that black is the worst because why is black the worst? It's the one where it's hardest to tell by scanning a page that it's been signed. And it's the one where it's easiest to fake by photocopying. Uh, So so I don't understand why black ink somehow just became the de facto. This is definitely a real signature ink when it should be like blue or red or green. But the truth is. I looked, I I researched this thing. So for a long time, the concern with red and green ink was that they didn't photocopy as well. And so maybe sometimes if it was a bad photocopy, you couldn't tell that the signature was a real signature or that it had been signed or it was faint or whatever, whatever, whatever. First off, we're talking about photocopies, right? Like (laughs) that is, that is not a good argument in the 21st century. Can we be done? Like, and there are so there are so many different things where I'm like, why are we still doing that? Yeah, yeah. Drinking and, milk uh, that came from a cow. Why are we like we got oat milk now? Why are we doing that? Um, using gasoline powered cars. Every time I see one, I, including the times when I get into my own, I'm like, it's the year 2021. Why are we do- using any color of ink that is not fun? Also, why are yeah. we still doing that? Yeah, no, we should only use fun ink. We should it should all be reds and greens and purples and legal mm-hmm. documents should be signed with curly cues and smiley faces and hearts. Sparkly gel there, pen. There yeah. is no reason not to. And we need mm. to free ourselves from the shackles of this way of thinking. That is the end of the, the answer. Also, we need to get rid of our front lawns which exist for a very similar reason as black and blue pens. There was also a, a, a study done that if students disagreed with their teacher, they seemed to think the teachers were being more negative if they wrote in red ink. So red ink mm. actually like psychologically affects people. So sparkly purple gel pen teachers. Yeah. Be, be welcoming. Yeah. And then you write in the margins of the paper, I hated every second of reading this. And people are like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, but put a little heart over the eye in this. <laughs> it would be very hard to be a teacher and read <laughs> paper after paper after paper and yeah. try to like find ongoing constructive things to say about each of them. Yeah. I, I feel like that would be challenging. The first inks were made uh, from charcoal and soot, which is why black was the standard. I totally understand why it was the standard. I don't know standard. if like, blue came around second. No, well, blue. the idea was that blue also photocopies relatively well, right, or okay. at least did back in the day. But that this is all irrelevant now. We should use whatever color ink we want. All ink colors should be treated as wonderful instruments for mark making. <laughs> Every time, yeah, like what Mark's parents did. Every time a, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know if I can go on with the podcast. <laughs> I was having a lovely time, and then you had to go and say that. <laughs> this next question comes from Ryan, who writes. Whenever someone named Ryan submits a question, even all these years later, Rosiana has to write in parentheses, seems real. This next question comes from Ryan, who writes, Dear John and Hank, do you have any advice for stage fright? You two seem to be pretty put together whenever being in front of a group of people. Sorry, Ryan, it's real hard for me to read that sentence. Speeches, performances, auditions, and other events have always been terrifying to me, and I can't seem to get over it. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. I get stage fright 
and often spend like the hour before we go on stage feeling very anxious and sometimes throwing up and other times uh, just it, getting panicky mm-hmm. and it can be very challenging for me. So I'm not sure I'm the best yeah. person to answer this question. It has gotten easier for me over the years. Uh, like a lot of things. Uh, I mean, the the basic thing that I did was a form of exposure therapy, which I worked on with my therapist. Mm-hmm. And if if you feel like it's going to be enough of a part of your life, Ryan, where it's going to be an ongoing problem for you, I really recommend doing some kind of therapy with a you know, somebody who has a lot of experience with that particular kind of problem, because for me, it really, really helped. But I still get really nervous before I go on stage. I just have better tools for dealing with it now. And like, if I throw up, I don't freak out and think like, oh, God, I'm going to barf on stage. And if I do have to throw up on stage, I'll just try to leave the stage before I throw up. Like, that's what what I always tell myself. So, yeah, it's not easy for me. um, And it's not something that I'm natural at. But I I have gotten to a place after all these years where I'm able to enjoy it, which is also to say that I miss it. Did you see Ryan's name specific sign off? Uh, no, I did not. What is it? It is Orion to Ryan. Oh, her that's best. really good. That is really good, it's Ryan. Good, really good. Ah, oh, it's pretty good. Um, it's, I I find so I'm this like I like going on stage, I've but noticed. I still like I hate waiting to go on stage yeah even after like the eighth night you know like the first night's always the hardest and seconds a little easy when you're on tour and you're doing it every day but like it never gets to the point where it's not scary and like the whole the the worst for me is is hosting so like i i have done several times gigs where like my job is to mc and so i go out and i talk Mm -hmm. and for like you know 30 seconds and introduce the next person and like, try, like, like, you know, try and keep people's energy level up and make a joke. And the, the that it, like, you're always about to go on stage and never on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so like finding things to distract myself with try, like just trying to talk to other people or listen to music so that I'm not constantly just sort of like in my body's rebellion, mm-hmm. um, which is what it feels like. Um, is is good, but like, yeah. I mean, I'm I've I've never gotten over that, and people are always like, "So does this? You still you you don't get stage fright anymore, right?" And I'm like, "Ah, uh, no, I definitely do." And the fact that there are some people who don't is like a foreign thought to me. I cannot understand it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I know people who don't, and I think it's great, and I think it's awesome. But I I always have. I mean, I you know, Hank and I have both built up structures over the years. I think to make it easier, so. Like, Mm -hmm. it's easy to make fun of me for this, but the first thing that I do when I get to a new space, like when we're going to be performing or if it's a space I don't know well, I ask where the nearest bathroom to the stage is because I need to know that because I throw throw up a lot. So, like, I want to know where that is. Um, And I also, like, sometimes I go into the bathroom to, like, gather myself because I'm feeling panicky and I just don't want to be around people. And so I need to know, like, where is there a door that locks? And then I also uh, ask a few questions uh, to try to understand the layout of it so that I can start to imagine it in my head, because part of what I do to keep myself calm is I imagine how it's going to go and I tell myself that it's that it's going to be okay. I will say I, I have had a few mortifications on stage that have made the stage fright worse, not better. Um and I like you, Hank, those times when we like emceed VidCon, when we would have to go and mm-hmm. talk for 30 seconds between each featured speaker for like six hours. That was very challenging. And honestly, of all the times that we've performed together, it was also the most stressful. And it was the time when we kept away from each other the most. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we, we'd come off stage yeah, we don't and we'd need, go in we different directions. To, yeah. We don't need to yep. chat. Mm-hmm. We don't need to like Absolutely. work each other up. Yeah. And, part, and, and like being okay with that and being good with that and knowing that that doesn't mean your brother doesn't love you is uh, an important part too of making, making room for it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I think just like being on, like, especially doing anything serious before I'm going on stage is very bad because I am not in a place where I can make good decisions. Yeah. 
No. Yeah. God. (laughs) I don't know that we really answered your question, Ryan, but maybe it's a little (laughs) bit of solidarity. Yeah. This next question comes from Megan, who writes, Dear John and Hank, if you drop something down a hole that was drilled completely through the earth, where would it go? Thanks. Just a flesh straw wondering about earth straws, Megan. That's true. We're just flesh straws. (laughs) It's true. Um, well, it goes from one hole to the other and then all the flesh gets built up around it. So, so if we were, uh, so if we're just talking like just pure thought experiment, yeah, you know, it would, it would, I think because of the way that the earth spins, it would hit the side of the hole. But absent that, if it's a very strong thing that continues going down, even though it's going to hit the side, you're not going to be able to get it dropping straight down because the earth is spinning. Um, you, uh, you, it would, it would, it would normalize in the center of the earth. Yeah. It would just end up in the middle, right? Now it's very hot down there. And so it'd probably vaporize, but if we're neutralizing the temperature somehow, uh, yeah, it would go down and then it would go a long way the other way. And then it would come back and then it would sort of yo-yo back and forth until finally centering in the middle of the planet. I enjoyed the thought experiment of this because I enjoyed thinking that it was almost like a pendulum, but just going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down Mm, until eventually it gets to the place in the middle where the gravity is kind of pushing and pulling on it in such a way that- In all directions equally. Yeah, it's just being held- there in and the if middle. you really got it in the very in the very middle, it would it could just hover there in the middle. It would be being pulled on in all sides. Right. Now the Earth is not uniform, um, so locating exactly where that point is, and also that point would move over time. But um, still, the thought experiment is there. It is possible to make a ball hover in the center of a gravitational object. Neat. That is cool. I mean, I don't think we can do it. But definitely cool. can't. No, uh, yeah. we can't even we can we can barely scrape the surface of this planet, John. I know there's a lot down there. We think that we're such a big deal, man, you know, and then <laughs> it's like how it's like how everybody in their little pond thinks that their pond is a big deal. You know, like you talk to people in the world of car sales and they're like, they want to talk to you. They think car sales are super important. Talk to people in the world of podcasts. Well, yeah. They're like fascinated by podcasts. Want to talk all day about podcasts. Earthlings. That's good. That's good. I agree. I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not criticizing yeah. it. I'm just saying that earthlings are like, you know, like we think that earth is a big deal. Really big. Yeah. big. <laughs> like we th- think about almost yeah. all of our thoughts are shaped by earthness. Mm-hmm. Maybe all of them. <laughs> Yeah, I think that I we we have actually we actually have a question from Agnes that talks about how shaped we are by Earthness. Agnes asks, dear Hank and John, how does your internal clock even work? Are you born with it? Hypothetically, would someone born on Mars have a 24 hour clock or would it feel weird to live somewhere with longer or shorter days? Would it all get messed up? I have so many questions, Agnes. Now, we don't. So obviously you don't know all of the answers to these questions because no one's ever been born on Mars. But when we have put, like scientists have intentionally put people, sometimes people in space, sometimes people in, you know, sort of artificially lit situations uh, in a situation where their day is 23.5 or 24.5 hours long. So not much longer. Uh, and they're they're getting the you know sort of daylight cycles. They get messed up. Their melatonin levels mm. get all weird. They're like their sleep cycles mess up. They can't sleep as well. We are very we are earthlings, and we are we are defined by the way that the cycles of this planet for sure. And I don't know like when like Mars's day is a little bit longer than Earth's, like but not a lot. And but I still think that it would probably be a really long, like kind of jet lag. Um, and astronauts have to deal with this because they sometimes operate on like 23 and a half hour days. And people who are on earth working on Mars missions have to deal with it because they're sleeping during the Martian night, uh, which can be very difficult. Yeah. In fact, one of the, one of the people working on curiosity had just had a baby right before curiosity landed. So it was on like baby time and Mars time at the same time, oh boy. which sounds super miserable. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> people making it happen out here. Um, but yeah, we, we, our bodies do not handle it well because we are earthlings. 
And so if we imagine a future where humans are basically the same, but we're able to travel to distant planets that have vastly different days, you know, orbiting vastly different stars or whatever, we will continue to have a 24 hour sleep cycle. Like, like we will yeah, continue to sure. have a, ha, have that forever. You know, or? my guess, my guess is that after like years of living on Mars, or if, especially if you're born on Mars, that mm-hmm. probably your sleep cycle will adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mars is, but it, but that's very different from like a thirty hour day or a thirty five hour day. Yeah, or a tw- or like a you know ten hour day. Yeah. Um, and in those situations, you're not gonna, you are not gonna be able to adapt as a human being and live on that daylight schedule yeah which is wild wild yeah so we are i mean just just to state the obvious we are creatures of earth which we often forget about because we are very weird and we spend a lot of time (laughs) inside buildings that we made yeah that are fairly well insulated from what we consider earth but actually all the materials that the buildings are made out of are also from earth like this is what the whole end of the Anthropocene reviewed book is about is me having the revelation that um it's all earth all the chemicals inside my brain making me feel uh-huh. the way that I feel the love that I feel the hope that I feel the despair that I feel the 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 carrots that I just uh pulled out of the ground over the weekend with my mom it's all earth it's all earth john oh man All right, we have another question from Kayla who writes, Dear John and Hank, if you call someone and they tell you that they are too busy and will call you back in five minutes, how long after five minutes am I required to wait by the phone? Kayla, I'm so glad that you asked because believe it or not, (laughs) this is an issue that comes up for me all the time, but only when I'm calling one person, Hank Green. I made, the mistake. I made the mistake of calling a customer at work before my lunch hour, and he said he would call me back in five minutes. It's been 20 minutes, and I haven't heard back from him. Hungry in California. Oh, no. That's very good. Well, um, I it's different when it's a customer mm, than when yeah. it's your brother, right? Uh-huh. The other day, I texted Hank and said, can you give me a call? And he said, is it good or bad? And I said, it's good. And he said, yes, I'll call you in five minutes. And then he didn't call me. But if I had said it's bad, he would yeah. have called me in five minutes. And so I learned an important <laughs> lesson, which is no matter what, <laughs> always tell Hank that it's bad. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care about good news. He's like, me? I, don't, I don't need to. I don't need to know a good thing that happened. I'm too busy to feel happy. <laughs> I only need to know what I should feel worried about. Yeah. I mean, isn't that where a lot of us are, though? Yeah, but if you're too, I mean, just to state the obvious, like, that's a call to do some internal work to get to a place where you're not too busy to be happy. But Kayla's issue is something else. And I think- I I know the exact answer to this question. Great. What is it? Can we say it at the same time? How many minutes exactly you think you have to wait by the phone if you have a customer who told you they'd call you back in five minutes? Yes. Okay. Three- Two, one, 12 Five minutes. minutes. Ooh. I mean, listen, if you're not going to be punctual, you're not going to be punctual. Then you get the voicemail and you call them back and you're like, sorry, you said you'd call me back in five minutes. Call came in six minutes later. It was my lunch break. Yeah. Then you're just establishing hey. some boundaries. Like call in five I, I minutes. I like that. I like that. 12 yeah. minutes is not a bad that, answer like, though. 12, 12 minutes is like, you don't have to wait 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, um, whenever Hank but, and I are like on a conference call and the important person who's going to be joining the call hasn't mm-hmm. joined after 12 yep. minutes, Hank and I are both like, it's over. that's it. Yeah. That's it. Forget. This yeah, they're person. not coming. They're not. Yeah. yeah. Like, and even if they yeah. are coming, I'm not going to be in the mood to like do it. Yeah. I'm not going to be in yeah. the mood so, to conference so at call 12 after minutes, this. The, the person is seven minutes late. Yeah. And at seven minutes late, it's okay to be like, oh, but like I had a different thing that I had to do. It's especially if you're seven minutes late for a five minute engagement. You can never be later <laughs> to the engagement than the engagement yeah. will last. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point, John. Yeah. But also, yeah, that... why ever be late? Just don't be late. Just don't be late. <laughs> Um, that sounds like a personal attack. (laughs) (laughs) 
Are you subtweeting me right now? <laughs> no, I have learned that like my sort of worship of punctuality in the same way that that any character asset can become a character defect if, you know, you mm-hmm. carry it forward in the wrong way. My worship of punctuality became a character defect and I've had to kind of walk it back and learn that different people respond to time differently and that like my way my way of looking at the world isn't everyone's way and and just kind of get better at that. Yeah, which is, has created not, uh, you know, moments of a not insignificant uh, argument among the brotherhood. <laughs> I feel like that's been much better, though, in the last yeah. couple of years. Well, we, because haven't, we haven't needed to do things together because the, the main time it has created strife is when we're on tour. That's and I'm true. like, no, I don't have to be awake right now. That's true. But even recently when it would have otherwise caused strife, like today, for instance, you were late to the uh, Patreon live stream over at patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John. And it was fine because I have changed my perspective on punctuality, which reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by punctuality. It's a virtue, but not like a virtue that you have to worship. This podcast is also brought to you by Mark Makers. They're how you make a mark. (laughs) That's how marks get made. That's better. If you're looking to turn this into a commercial product, and I'm sure you are, I think it's how marks get made are better is better. <laughs> and of course, today's podcast is brought to you by the Finnish Racks. The Finnish Racks. Come ruin your pants. <laughs> you won't believe our ice cream machine. It's a pants ruiner. Really <laughs> so confused. And also this podcast is brought to you by Purple Sparkle Gel Pens. Purple Sparkle Gel Pens. That's how you let your students know that they have uh, not lived up to your expectations in style. <laughs> uh, we, also have a, we also have a lovely Project for Awesome message. Wayne in Arizona wanted us to read this message to Findlay and Marin. We have a few words of advice for Finley and Marin. You should keep practicing your Mario Kart skills, but it will be years before you can compete with your dad. (laughs) The only real chance you have is to wait at the back of the pack until the last lap and hope to get a lightning bolt or bullet bill. Good luck and don't give up. Comment. The truth is, after three months into a pandemic, they quickly surpassed my abilities and I'm reduced to mudslinging on the internet to lift my ego. (laughs) That's great. Thank you, Wayne, and also Finley and Marin for being part of the project for Awesome. This episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Trobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt, I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. (laughs) Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, 
there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius, because there will be a world without us. All right, I have another question from Samantha who writes, Dear John and Hank, Samantha here. Should I write a plot twist in my book? I'm writing fan fiction. I want to add one plot twist, but I don't want the plot twist to distract from my characters and her new environment. And I think the plot twist might mess it up. Always thinking and writing, Samantha, age nine. I think that having um, having surprises uh, can be really can be really valuable as long, but they they can't. You were right in that they can't be something that your character wouldn't do. You have to know them well enough to uh, to 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 not make a surprise happen just because you want a surprise. But yeah. Instead, because uh, maybe you know a little bit more about the character than the reader does. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly right. Plot twists for them to work, they have to the moment after they happen. That's when the reader is like, oh, that makes sense. I hadn't thought of it that way. The mm-hmm. plot twists that don't work are the moment after they happen, the reader thinks like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's mm-hmm. not a good, that plot twist doesn't make make any sense because the author hasn't, uh, the writer of the story hasn't built toward it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's one of the wonderful things I learned in in writing fiction for the first time is that plot twists are possible because it always seemed like such a magic trick when I was reading, uh, but they are possible for the writer because when you are writing the story, you know more about the situation and characters and their their world uh, and their their environment than anyone else, and so. You, as long as you're including that in all of the rest of the writing, then you can have a surprise that um, makes sense to your world. Yeah. So, Samantha, there's this word that you may have heard called foreshadowing, where a writer will hint at something that's about to happen, but hints at it in a way that only makes sense after it happens. Then once it happens, the reader is like, oh, I see how this was foreshadowed by this happening Mm. and that happening. My inclination, Samantha, when I am writing a story is always to have a huge plot twist that is very rarely like the right one. Like I always want to write a story just like you. I want to write a story that has a big, massive, like, whoa, everything just changed moment. Mm -hmm. And then I always have to end up cutting them because they don't make any sense. Like recently, I've been working on a story with uh, that I'm working on with my wife, Sarah. And I like woke up at three o'clock in the morning and I was like, I got it. I got I've got an amazing plot twist. Sarah's like, <laughs> what is it? And she, I was like, she's a fictional character. She knows that she's a fictional character. And Sarah was like, OK, two things. First off, you've. um used versions of that plot twist many times before. You were obsessed with this idea of fictional <laughs> characters realizing that they're fictional characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, it doesn't make any sense for the story. And I was like, oh, God, those are all good arguments. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it works and sometimes it You just it don't doesn't. do it. Yeah. In general, Samantha, like especially at your age, I, I would try to focus on writing that follows characters and environments and and try to get to know those characters and environments and see how knowing see how you can communicate knowing them through language. Because that for me is kind of the magic of of reading and writing. Mm. Yeah. What a what a wonderful little trick we all have to pull to 
have any of this work at all. Writing is such a such a such an illusion act, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. It is. Reading is too. I mean, yeah, the reader has to do a lot of work to allow themselves to become immersed in a in a universe that they they yeah. they, they know on some level isn't real. For sure. John, we got another question. It comes from Kay, who asks, Dear Hank and John, but mostly Hank, if all humans were to collectively decide to stop wearing socks and shoes indefinitely, how long would it take for the species to evolve paw pads like dogs? Spring constant <laughs> Kay. Um, <laughs> I mean, potentially a really long time. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. We we Because I don't know that we'd need them. Yeah, we did we we before we had shoes and socks, we had feet like our feet. Yeah. I mean, they got calloused. They weren't exactly like yeah. our feet, but they were anatomically like our feet. Yeah. And we did and, okay. Yeah, and and like chimpanzees, their feet look they they don't they don't have big paw pads right on them like like dogs. Right. They look a lot like human hands, just a different shape. Yeah. So, I think it would take a good amount of time, but I've got some amazing news. <laughs> You don't have to have bare feet. You can have warm feet with socks designed by independent artists by going to awesomesocks.club. That's awesomesocks.club right now. Sorry, I had to squeeze in one <laughs> more. Don't have, to, don't have to worry about it. That's right. And and insta- and and the socks are going to be a delightful little surprise that you can give to yourself or someone else. Um, and if you hadn't already do it, I am literally sitting at my computer right now. <laughs> Looking at the back end of the website, like looking to see if you're telling me that you've ruined your pants and finish. <laughs> I also, uh, <laughs> I also, um, I I also just want to say for the record that they do genuinely make a great gift. I got uh, subscriptions for several friends and also for a couple kids in my life, and they are a constant yeah. source of joy for my friends as well. So. And Check you can, it out. You can cancel that at any time. Yes. Uh, free shipping everywhere. And here's something that somebody, a, a clever person did. They got they have a subscription for themselves, but they also, when they need a gift for someone, they just take that month's awesome sock and give it to their friend. Brilliant. Brilliant. So smart. So smart. <laughs> all, right, all right, Hank. It's time for the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. I'll go first because my news isn't great. AFC Wimbledon lost a football game. Mm, you're doing that a lot. Certainly not the first time that AFC Wimbledon has lost a football yeah. game, but it's starting yeah. to get to the point where we're looking over our shoulders a bit and saying, oh gosh, all the uh, bad teams in League One are not that bad this year. There is one properly bad team in League One this year, Crew Alexandra. They, they look like uh, pretty likely candidates to go down. But then the other mm-hmm. three bad teams... They're just not that bad. I'd, mm. I'd like them to Uh-oh. be a little bit worse. Uh-huh. We're down to 17th. Um, what's behind it? I mean, injuries in central defense ha- has really affected us because we were already having a, a little bit of a difficult time defensively. And with our two of our three best central defenders injured for, for months, that is not great. And then the other thing is that we just haven't been scoring as many goals. And I think some of that is because our tactics have been figured out. Some of that is because of injuries. And so it's just going to require a certain amount of flexibility. It's hard, though, because when you have really young players and, you know, Wimbledon is the youngest professional team in England right now, you, you know, you also have players who don't have a ton of tactical experience. They haven't, you know, played a lot of different styles professionally by definition. So that comes with its own challenge. I still have a lot of faith in Mark Robinson. I think he's such an inspirational figure. He's been at the club for a long time. He understands it very deeply. I I, I still have faith that this is going to get turned around and we're going to be okay this season, but it's nervous making. Uh, you just have to win more soccer games. That's basically what it comes down to. It's just like how you just got to get humans to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like you, your goal is, is more achievable, especially at a lower budget. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if we gave AFC Wimbledon, like, like a sort of Mars mission type oh. budget, you guys could probably win some football games. We would be so good. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not here to tell Elon Musk what yeah. to prioritize. <laughs> and, I, and if I were, of course, I would ask Elon Musk to prioritize yeah. the health and welfare of yeah. uh, mothers and yeah. children and, and whatnot. But if he wants to have a... Mm-hmm. Just splash down a little, little fun. If he wants to have a glory project... Have I got a glory project for you or for any billionaires who might be listening? Now, the deal is one of the reasons AFC like AFC Wimbledon has had interest from billionaires. This is a really interesting thing, Hank. Oh, interesting. But they want power like they want to they want to have a say in how the club's doing. They don't want it to be a donation. They want it to be like, you know, buying into the future success of a club. And that's just not how it works at Wimbledon. Like. You know, I pay a fair amount of money every year to support the club, but I get the same one vote in the Don's Trust Board elections as anybody else does. And at least so far, we haven't found any billionaires super enthusiastic about that model. But we'll see. Life is long. (laughs) It only takes one. Well, this week in Mars News, John, uh, first of all, Mars is back out from behind the sun so we can talk to it again. We can get pictures from everybody. Everybody's doing fine. Oh, thank goodness. Everybody's I've good. Been nervous. We're back out from the sun. Everybody's uh, good. We got some new great, great. pictures from uh, from Perseverance. Uh, but also, look, we need to make fuel on other planets because carrying all of the fuel from Earth to the other planets, just colossally expensive. Not going to happen. There are... Uh, some ways you could think about doing that. You can use uh, like big solar panels to break uh, water into hydrogen and oxygen, and that would be that would be a good fuel. Also, you get oxygen, and then the hydrogen you could maybe do something else with it. But uh, that that's sort of the chemical way. We all are aware in the scientific world that like we're currently in the edge, like the edge end of the chemistry age, and the edge beginning of the biology age, where we are going to be able to control biology the way that we have controlled chemistry. And so there is uh, a lot of research being done now on how to use microbes to make fuel. Uh, So researchers have just uh, proposed a potential approach for doing this in Nature Communications, which is a journal, um, where instead of sending up uh, a bunch of fuel, you you send up cyanobacteria and engineered E. coli that will work together. So the cyanobacteria would use sun and carbon dioxide to make sugar, while the E. coli would then ferment that sugar into rocket fuel, basically. So 2,3-butane-diol, which is something that you could burn in a rocket. Uh, Now, that's going to require less power than shipping the methane, but it would be uh, still pretty uh, risky because biology is complicated and you don't don't want it to mess up when people's lives are... Uh, re- uh, relying on it, but the, the a good byproduct of this, so not the fuel, but an actual byproduct is oxygen. So that's nice because we're going to need that. Hmm. But there are a lot of problems to solve there, uh, and you really don't want something to go wrong if you have a biological reactor that's producing both the like way to get home and also the air that the astronauts will breathe. So there's a lot of work yet to be yeah. done. Uh, but I, you know, that that's that's where. If you're wondering where the future is, it's in getting microbes to do the work for us. That does feel like glimpsing a distant future. That's cool. Yeah, that's sort of what I want to write about is like the is like microbe punk. Well, and then those cyanobacteria and this is something that's like reflective of current like the, the current situation on Earth. We just don't think about it. But the survival of that cyanobacteria is as important to our survival as our survival. Yeah. Yep. Like the the back the, the health of the bacteria is as important as the health of ourselves mm. if ourselves are going to continue to be a going concern and that's like always the case it's just that it brings that into stark relief. Yeah. It's always the case. I like that a lot. It's always the case, John. I know, but I love the I, I love the idea of a of a new emerging kind of literature called microbe punk. That's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I think that could be very cool. And you could, I mean, you could write the like neuromancer of 
the biology age. Yeah, except that like it wouldn't be uh, dark and interesting. It would be fun and goofy, <laughs> but that's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll follow it up with a dark, yeah. dark one. Don't worry. Okay. You can count on me. Well, Hank, thank you for potting with me. We're off to record our Patreon-only podcast this week and stuff now over at patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John. Again, don't forget about the Awesome Socks Club, awesomesocks.club. Thanks to everybody for listening and for all your amazing questions. You can send us questions at hankandjohn at gmail.com. This podcast doesn't exist without them. Thank you for all of your lovely questions this week. Um, And, I mean... What a great episode of the podcast, John. I had so much fun. This podcast is... Wow, no no bragging. No bragging. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying I had a good time. Okay. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Julia Bloom. Our editorial assistant is Dabuki Chakravarti. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnaroa. And as they say in our hometown... Don't don't forget forget to be awesome. awesome.